Wait, did we find out what happened about the Pokemans? Yeah, you gotta tell us now. It said that they're like special. I only got uh, one. One. Um... He got one sentence in, and then we started recording. <laughs> yeah, I, I checked one source, and it just says they're special. That they're good. Hey, Pokemon, they're good. The brilliant Pokemon offering oh. different bonuses to standards. I wonder if they have like different EVs. Well, that's probably know. maybe. Yeah. Those Pokemon, they all got MacArthur grants. And... Oh, they know. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that got me, Julia. Thank you. Pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, they know unusual moves. Oh. oh. And a minimum of two out of three of their stats will have the highest possible value. Oh, pretty nice. good. Dang. They're the best versions of a specific Pokemon species you can encounter in the world. Wow. Nice. Dang. They like know the electric slide. Eric, do you know the Pokemon Croagunk? Yeah. Do you know any facts about him that you could share with us today? Uh, Josh Rubino really likes the Pokemon. That's good. That's good. I was hoping more to transition from our discussion of Pokemon to our discussion of frogs in Join the Party. <laughs> episode seven to nine. I was going to put this all at the end, but now it's at the beginning. No, no, keeping it. Oh, yes. Actually, I do know. I, I Josh was on What's Your Favorite Pokemon? And then I say something nice about you. Everyone's so I do favorite remember. early lockdown podcast? Yes, they do. So they use Krogunk's poison to make painkillers. In the J- Japan, Pokemon Japan, and therefore, Krogunk then became uh, the mascot of, like, pharmaceutical companies. Wow. <laughs> Incredible. But you know how, like, everything has a mascot in, in Japan? Yeah. Japan? Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like that. It's less bad. And, like, the Sacklers, I don't think exist in Japan, <laughs> so I think it's less bad. So I think that's kind of, it's a little cute. So it's like, here, have this ibuprofen that was made by a Pokemon. I mean, I probably it's good that they don't stamp Advil with images of Croagunk because then I would want to take them recreationally, and I don't need that. <laughs> it's like having like eating your Flintstone vitamin gummies like at the whole yeah. jar at a time. I know, I know. Advil truly tastes too good. I I <laughs> enjoy it. I buy it's got the a generic candy because I, I I like the generic because name brand Advil that that coating's too tasty. Yeah, and you just want to bite into it, and if you do, yeah. you're greeted with a no, horrible, horrible surprise. That's <laughs> why they candy coat it. Hey, Amanda and Brandon, uh-huh. do you know like about food? Have you heard? <laughs> <laughs> Is this cool? Tasty have you heard thing about you candy? <laughs> oh man, now I remember that I did have a dream that I was like the candy candy maestro last night, where I just had like <laughs> all the candy. At, season like... three character. Season <laughs> three <laughs> character. <laughs> All right, so it's like, was it like Fantasia, but then it was candy? No, it was like, it was more boring. It was like, it was like, you know, people have like candy jars at their desks. Uh huh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was like that, but instead of a jar, it's everything. I just have all the candy in every part of my desk, and now I have all the candy separated by type. (laughs) That's pretty good. That's not bad, Brandon. So this is unhinged already. Let's go. Someone say hey, hi, hello. Otherwise, I won't stop talking. Hey, hi, hello, and welcome to the after party. There we go. Wait, imagine we went. You walked into Willy Wonka's chocolate factory, and it's just like a guy at a desk with a bunch of candy on it. <laughs> Would you like them? <laughs> and then there's an Oopa Loopa as a sonographer in the corner. Well, he doesn't almost kill a bunch of children, so like that is a better ending. In my yep, that is better. Uh, Mr. Wonka, your ten thirty is here. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> It's a nerd's rope. <laughs> uh, would you like a refreshment? Would you like some water, some fizzy lifting drink? Is that would that be good for you? Very good. I'm underpaid. 
Well, you can hold on to that voice, Eric, because we are, of course, starting with talking about the new Cabin 2, where we're chilling with Frederick the Frog. Mm-hmm. Chilling is right, right? We're just chilling, oh, yeah, talking, having super a normal chill, time. No problems. Mm-hmm. With a normal guy who's a just, normal guy. who just so happens to be a frog. Mm-hmm. And... I have a lot of questions here from the Discord about frogs and frog facts. Let's begin with uh, Kelly Downs, who wanted to know, um, or rather just demand, more, period, frog, period, facts. (laughs) I gave you all more frog facts during the last after party. Mm -hmm. I have a bunch of frog facts that I cannot remember how many I've used. I had a list of 14 that I got from the Smithsonian. Mm -hmm. That was the one that had the really nasty photo of the frog that was in, had, had invisible skin so you yeah. could see its organs. Yeah, hate that. It was bad news. And then I have that other one that I used last time, which had 50 frog facts. It was from facts.net. Mm. <laughs> now, we could not tell the difference between David Boreanaz and a frog. That's so, oh, right. you know, if you just couldn't remember that. So I have plenty of frog facts. Okay. Um, I can just look through and I can give you another one. Eric, can I tell you a frog fact? Please. Uh, I used to like frogs, and now after these episodes, I don't. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> Julia, do you want another fact that might make you like this less? Great. Most common frog species have teeth only on their upper jaw. You cool. used that one already, Eric. Uh, I Did I? Yeah. I don't remember shit. That feels like one I didn't say before. I gotta say, this diagram, though, of a frog's mouth, really makes me not want to encounter frogs again. I feel like I would have seen the internal nostrils and maxillary teeth that I would have commented on that. I don't think I used that one yet. All right. You might have linked them and then we read them, you know, separately, like in our own free time. I'm just not arguing because Eric's wrong and it's fine. But I I am the editor who has listened to the audio a hundred times. You definitely use that one. Oh, yeah. Local Brandon Grugel, who remembers things, even though he listens Does to not things. Eric, when you tell me about frog all. teeth, I remember it. Holy <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. All right. You probably, you probably convinced me. It's okay. All right. There's a new frog species that was discovered in 2020, and it's called the Lilliputian frog because it was so small. Oh, that's Aww. cute. Guy. That one's nice. I have an actual yeah, frog nice. fact that I just learned uh, really? when I was on vacation. So I went on vacation, and, and the place that I went, they have, instead of crickets, they have like singing tree frogs. And cool. so they're super loud at night, and they're like poison, and they're super tiny. So you're not supposed to touch them. I don't wow. like that they're poison. I like that they sing. Yeah, a poisonous, like, loud little king. Yeah, pro cons. Loud little king, like Boo. Loud little king. Mm-hmm. That's true. Carl's wanted to know, Julia, how badly did you want to commit frogicide when you did the thing and it got undone? Oh, so badly, so so badly. <laughs> and femicide. Mm-hmm. Very and good. And decided feels correct and right in all ways. Mm. It was a very cool consequence. Eric, can you remind us kind of how that went down? Yeah. So what I really liked about that particular conflict was that it's not about you. It's not about killing something necessarily, or you got to figure out its weakness. But there's another problem happening at the same time, which is like the ooze getting into the water supply. So it's like Phoebe already figured out a way to stop it, which is like junk it all up. And then Frederick's like, "No, no, no, fuck you," because you rolled badly. And I think that that's funny enough that it's like because you know it feels more tangible. It feels mm-hmm. more real that. You do one thing to fix it, but then it can be undone. It's not like it's it's perfect. Right. It's not like you uh, soldered off the the entrance. It sure. can just be undone, and everyone's like vaguely magical anyway. So I thought that was a fun consequence of like undoing the thing that you wanted to do because it's like the ultimate goal of a monster of the week conflict is to like 
hurt a monster using its weakness enough for it to be dead, for it to be truly dead. So it's like, if you don't do that, or you haven't figured out its secret, anything else is up for grabs. So I like the idea that, like, you didn't hurt Frederick, and you only kind of, kind of, sort of stopped the ooze, especially when the ooze overpowered you. Frederick's like, peace, you suck. And then, then we're done. You know, it's like, that's it. The, we gotta, we have to move on because Frederick's done with you. I think this was a really interesting episode for me in particular because I don't think I had reckoned with the fact that, like, a lot of Monster of the Week is kicking ass but also problem solving and figuring out weaknesses and stuff. And I think I yeah. was still in that kind of D&D mindset where it's like, well, if I do enough damage, it will die. It doesn't matter if I don't figure out the trick to it, right? <laughs> yeah. But in this case, you do need to know the trick to it and then do the damage related to the monster so i think that the consequences of nearly dying made me realize oh wait this is different mm-hmm. yeah. i also think eric what just wanted to save his baby you know frederick is is a is a good npc why let him die brandon i don't have to put any fingers on any scales y'all rolled poorly and less did not involve himself so like i think that yeah. the situation was already really dangerous also that ooze that gelatinous ooze, just so I can say gelatinous ooze one more time for all of you to remember, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it was big and juicy, and Phoebe only made it worse by making three smaller <laughs> versions of it. <laughs> so it definitely, it, I mean, the situation was bad, uh, especially because Frederick's like, have a challenge, here you go. Yeah. Every monster is allowed to be killed. If that role didn't go badly of slicing up the oozes into smaller oozes, I don't think you would have been able to kill Frederick because... You didn't necessarily figure out the whole thing with the cabin, that he was, like, really a house demon, that there was something involved with there. But he would have been really... Frederick would have had a much worse time, and he wouldn't have had his bodyguard. Yeah, 100%. Um, I don't know if you played the game Ratchet & Clank that came out in the mid-2000s, Eric, but I did have, like, real Ratchet & Clank vibes, because there is, like, basically a gelatinous ooze enemy that... As you shoot him, he gets into smaller little gelatinous cubes, and it's like all of a sudden there's eight of them, and you're like, ah, ah. <laughs> "No, I do like I do like that a lot." It's great. Uh, yeah, I mean that. I think that's something that happens with other gelatinous cubes, like or or something like yeah, that from I'm the sure monster from the monster manual. Happened. Oh before. yeah, big guy into many little guys is definitely a trope that is uh, horrifying to deal with, which is why it's so useful. Yeah. I'm just saying, I'm Joy, I'm not saying you're the thing you said is not correct. Oh no, I know. I, it's like there's something about being able to take there's no monster manual for Monster of the Week. Yeah. Maybe I should write one. I, I guess. Ooh. <laughs> At least for the Ooh. ones that we've done on the podcast. Ooh. Maybe. Ooh, would you like that? Maybe people could download the cool cryptid compendium. I don't Ooh. know. Ooh. <laughs> Is the ooze in there? If not, I made that from scratch, so I should have <laughs> fucking remembered that. But it's like there's something about being able to just take abilities and smoosh it into Monster of the Week. It's a lot easier to use. It's like the the, the things they're able to do is just like a lot more it's a lot easier to work with. But also, like, there's another thing in Monster of the Week about having, like, the monster and then their minion. And, like, Frederick the Frog was the real monster controlling everything who wanted to put you into a challenge. That Like, you know, they all have those archetypes. So it's like, you know, like when a superhero all of a sudden gets, like, teleported to space, to a space alien tribunal that's actually a contest? Sure. Kind of like that. But, like, the minion you were fighting was the ooze. So it's it was interesting to be able to pair those two things together with Frederick just kind of, like, out there vibing. 
He certainly <laughs> was vibing. Anyone else read the Pendragon books when they were a kid? There's like explicitly a book with exactly that transportative plotline. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Good yeah. stuff. Well, this is an interesting what if from Paul. Eric, is there any version of this hunt that would have ended with Frederick still thinking Phoebe or one of the best friends was the chosen one? Or would he just have kept on shifting the goalposts? Ooh. Was I meant to fail, Eric? Tell me now. <laughs> <laughs> this I don't want to say too much. Because again, this is me revealing too much. And then you realize that Epcot is just like a bunch of mechanics made in 1950. <laughs> what? So, <laughs> I know. I just ruined both of your days. So... Julia did not choose the chosen playbook. I super did not. You chose the spooky. And the chosen, again, remember all playbooks are are exactly archetypes from Monster of the Week. Like chosen is Buffy, right? The chosen is the main character. And that's a problem, I think, of the game. And there are a lot of different you need to decide if you are allowed to have a chosen at your table and if that's the kind of story you want to tell. Yeah, it's kind of one main character is how you're supposed to play it and that isn't necessarily the best fit for all tables. Right, right. exactly. So Phoebe being a spooky just means that you ha- Phoebe just has like magic powers, right? Whatever Frederick's criteria was for saying that someone is the chosen one, I can't say. I will say, though, that it would have been up to anybody if that would have happened. I want to say, in, in if you remember, all the way back to the New Cabin 1, Phoebe picked up a bow and arrow, knocked one, put some magic stank on it, and hit a bullseye. So that seems to be the thing that triggered that. Mm-hmm. So I want to say that a lot of things are a lot more up to however stuff goes than what I've written down or what I was thinking to start with. Sure. I would also like to confirm that Phoebe's magic is particularly stanky. <laughs> <laughs> it smells like pine. Ooh. <laughs> it's like fermented a little bit. It's a like someone someone opened up a jar of quickles. <laughs> Yummy. <laughs> Made with pine. Oh, you gross. Nasty. That's like when you get in a car and someone has a really, really weird air freshener. Mm. Like you're in an Uber and <laughs> it's just like, what is this? It's... Someone left pickles outdoors as a. That's Why disgusting. did you buy this? We came with the car? Why would you keep that up? Sarah, purple people eater, would like to know is Ribbit Ribbit the new beep boop? No, because frogs actually go Ribbit Ribbit. <laughs> Come on. Come on, guys. Everyone knows that. And TJ, rolls not 20 for hugs, would like to know is it illegal to punch a frog? I think it is. I think it's required. I, mean, I think you have to to graduate from Camp Die. It, it must be a height thing, right? So, like, if Frog is bigger than, oh. like, three feet high or sure. whatever, like, on its legs, like, whatever a normal frog is, like, like a Goliath frog, that's the tip top. Anything above that, you can hit. Yeah. If the frog is taller than your smallest camper, you're allowed to punch it, I would say. I think that we shouldn't just be going out and punching frogs. I think this is a survival thing. If you feel threatened by the frog, sure, you can defend yourself. But is that subjective, being threatened by a frog? I mean... Mm. I'm going to punch it in one of its big eyes. If I punch a mosquito, it's because I don't want to get bitten, you know? No, that's fair. That's fair. But but was that justified? You killed a mosquito in order to not get bitten. Well, they didn't say killed. They said punched. I, well, I know. I'm just drawing a parallel, Julia, mm. of your actions, you know? Yeah, because I might be itchy for like four to five days and I can't handle that. Unacceptable. <laughs> just to, I want to affirm Brandon's theory and say that a Goliath frog is usually a foot long and seven pounds and Frederick is bigger than that. Yeah. I think I said he was two feet. 
Yeah, so I like the roasting chicken. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I just thought to myself, "What's seven pounds? A roasting chicken? That's a lot. <laughs> a newborn baby? True." Then you roast. Why are you? No, why no, are we no, paralleling no. all of these things? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> all right. Anything else that we want to talk about as we wrap up the new cabin? Fuck that frog. Moving on. Fuck, Fuck that, that frog. frog. Love candy. Love these girls. I hope they come back. These mm-hmm. campers, uh, so entertaining. And uh, I hope next year at camp, I get the good cabin. Um, I'm excited to debut our new t-shirt that says, Fuck this frog. And it's a picture of Frederick <laughs> on it, which is kind of With little, what I'm wearing With his right eyes now. X'd out. <laughs> yeah. In my head, Frederick is, oh man, this is going to be such a weird deep cut, but some people hopefully agree with me. In the Super Mario games, I think it's Super Mario 3 or Super Mario World, you can get like a frog suit and there's a little power up. And I think that that's what Frederick the Frog looks like in my head. But just with X's over the eyes. Oh, I love it. And it's also like the same size as Little Mario. So I think that that, fi- that fits Brandon's law, which is you can punch anything that's, that's yeah. larger, larger than what it should be. I think that's a good law, Eric. I don't know why you're laughing. I'm I can be laughing out of joy and mirth and understanding <laughs> and that you're the only proper lawmaker in the land being able to say that. By the way, folks, speaking of merch, uh, all of our campaign two merch is on sale. I said that in a <gasps> weird cadence. Our campaign two space merch is on sale right now this month for September uh, in case you want to pick it up because, I don't know, we may have new things cooking up, may have new uh, new campaigns of brewing. We might want to be making some room for some new new. Yeah. So check it out. Jointhepartypod.com slash merch. We might be talking a lot about frogs today, but maybe you want some mountain lobster stuff. Who knows? <laughs> Maybe you want an oat cake pin. Maybe you want a uh, a pet pile pin or time shark pin. Time or, shark. I don't know, mountain uh, January dice. Yeah. You know, that's when you take your January dice and take them to a mountain and play games with your friends in a cabin. Yeah. <laughs> you let the January dice sit under the light of the new moon. Exactly. Yeah. You go to Mount Everest, and then apparently it's tradition to just leave your trash everywhere. Don't do that. <laughs> no one should climb Mount Everest except for the people who live there. Yes. <laughs> just throw your January dice on the ground when you're done with it after climbing Mount Everest. Honestly, Julia, I don't even know if the people that live there should climb it. It seems very dangerous. <laughs> I mean, it's a holy mountain to them, so like they could do what they want. It's like, you know, but... <laughs> No one should do it, basically. Damn. Fucking hot take by Julia. Hot People take. who live in place should be allowed to do whatever they want with own mountain. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I was a little distracted because um, I'm feeling self-conscious about the uh, evergreen car air freshener that I plugged into the bathroom. So I'm going to go run and grab that and uh, and get some more some more pretzels for this party here. It's a glade. It's an electric glade pickles in the car. Yeah. yeah. It was on sale. I understand why now because the scent is old pickle. Um, So I'm going to be right back. Hey, it's Eric. I know it is only the beginning of September, but officially fall is here, baby. Okay. In the Northern Hemisphere and where I am in, in New York City, I understand that fall doesn't actually happen until it gets like below 60 degrees Fahrenheit. And I'm fine with that. I'm fine with calling fall now, though, because now people are talking about fall. And before, that bothered me. But now, like, it's part of the conversation, you know, like the fall 
drinks are out, the fall beers are out, the fall coffee drinks are out, the fall flavored things are out. Like we're gearing up for it and I can like buy flannels and buy new pants and the clothes are in. Everyone is on the fall train. The memes are here. I'm saying it's fall and I think we can all just come along and embrace the fact that it's finally autumn. So welcome to the mid-roll. I'm going to get a pumpkin flavored something right after this. I would like to take the time also to offer a formal apology to Brampton Grugel when I told him that we did not talk about frog teeth and he was sure that we did. I was looking at the two different lists that I had about frog facts and the new one was worded differently so I didn't understand it and had this image that I've already tweeted from the Join the Party Twitter account multiple times showing the frog's maxillary teeth and I want to apologize to Brandon and also say frog facts and share more frog facts with him at all times. If you are part of the ad-free tier, you wouldn't have to hear my apology about me fucking up the frog facts. So you should join our Patreon, patreon.com slash join the party pod. Shout out to our newest patrons, Punky Goat and Andrew. The party doesn't stop here at the Patreon. <laughs> you get the Discord where I have already apologized to Brandon because they might not have heard this because they're ad-free episode tier people you get party planning where i also say ridiculous things the energy of the after party really comes through through party planning which is very very fun and you get the video content so you can see me apologizing to brandon about frog facts you can actually see that with our video cameras you got that at the ten dollar tier and there's more and more and more i want to give a special shout out to the two folks that are at our highest tier who have already played one-on-one games with us. We played one-shots with them, and it has been so, so, so much fun. We played a game of Mothman Get Off My Couch because you've been here for too long, and we played a game of Battle of the Brontes where we played a series of sisters who were like the Bronte sisters who were trying to get some books published, which was very, very fun. Check all that out, patreon.com slash join the party pod. It is a great day to check out another show here at the Multitude Collective. I want to give a shout out this week to Queer Movie Podcast. Pretty self-explanatory. It is a queer movie watch party hosted by everyone's favorite British people, Rowan Ellis, Jaza John, and the Queen of England. Nope, that last one's incorrect. Just Rowan Ellis and Jazza John. Join them as they research and rate their way through the queer film canon, one genre at a time. From rom-coms to slashers, contemporary art house cinema to black and white classics, Queer Movie Podcast is a celebration of all things gay on the silver screen. Uh, They've also touched on some things that, you know, because movies are TV and TV or movies. They've also touched on some things you might see on your little silver screen, like things you might find on a streamer or on Netflix. Their episode on Fire Island was particularly wonderful, and I really, really like that because I think Joel Kim Booster is goddamn fucking talented. So I really like listening to that podcast. Tune in every other Thursday for new episodes. Also, Julia edits it, so you should listen to it. We are sponsored this week by Inked Gaming, Everyone has a go-to shop where they get their mouse pads, their playmats, their dice bags, and other essential gaming goods. But your local friendly game store might be really far away or having a magic tournament right now or don't have the things that you're looking for. So you can always check out Inked Gaming. They are a one-stop shop on the internet built by and for people who love games. One very cool thing they do is make custom products that you can personalize with your own unique designs. 
So if you're looking for a gift for your game night crew, your GM, your friend, or just want a way to make your own gaming setup a little cooler, you gotta check them out. And just to sweeten the deal for Join the Party listeners, they have given us a 10% discount code to give to you. Just go to inkedgaming.com slash join the party and use promo code join the party at checkout. That discount will then automatically apply to your order. That is inkedgaming.com slash join the party and use promo code join the party for 10% off at Inked Gaming. And finally, a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. Therapy is a really useful tool when there are problems in your life you're not really sure how to solve. Maybe you called the director at your camp mom, or maybe you've come on too strong because camp is the only thing that gives you any sort of purpose in life and you are a teenager and you don't really know what that means just yet. But maybe you think the magic is real and that's not okay with you because magic shouldn't be real, only Bigfoots. Or maybe it's an issue with your friends, your family, or a relationship that's weighing heavy on your mind. If you want someone to help you out instead of turning that idea over and over and over and over and over in your head, therapy can help you out. Visit BetterHelp.com slash join the party today for 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash join the party. And now back to the show. I would like to say I did recently have a pine shandy at Blue Point Brewery, and it was so good. That what sounds is... like some real Julia shit. Oh, yeah. Some of my favorite beers are, are pine. Um, yeah. What does that taste like? Pine. It just like has a little bit of like, you know, like the Wait, juniper Wait, did flavor. you say pine? Yes, he did. You fucker. That's what it tastes like. I don't know, but like, what is that? I don't know. Whether, is it like you go out and you shove an air freshener in your mouth? No, so you know, like the juniper flavor. Also, uh, the thing that's in the seed bank seeds. Um, yes. <laughs> fuck, fuck you I would guys. think you had it too. It's incredibly much. Um, it's like that juniper flavor of gin, I think, on oh. kind of like that back end where it's like it tastes piney. I don't have yeah. any other word to really describe it, but it yeah. had like just a little bit of that plus the like lemon flavor of the shandy. It was delicious. Yeah, cool. it's it's. I didn't mean to be an asshole. It's like it tastes like pine <laughs> smells. It's just very like you know. It's like a very very background note. So it's pleasant. Subtle. Yeah. Oh, okay, that's cool. In the way that like lavender or rose soften like a exactly. like a back. Yeah. I also had a mint lager recently and it was Ooh. fucking dope. Ooh. I was like, this is weird that's as hell, weird. and I love it. That sounds good. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Um, this is related to the fact that Helen Rosner tweeted out looking for tomato scented candles, and I was like, what tomato scented candles? You're not going to get any responses. There's and a of lot. Course, and then of course she got like fifty, and they all look insane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do they all look like tomatoes? No, no. They, I, I they wish. Should. No, because Brandon, they're like fifty dollars from artisanal candle <laughs> yeah, makers. Always, and they're like they're just like so wild. I, I the descriptions just overwhelmed me, but I wanted to share that. <laughs> you know, Eric, you could have one to the registry. I'm sure some people would want to buy you a tomato scented candle. I that's true. I, let's see if Zola has tomato tomato scented candle. If you don't get it for the wedding, uh, happy Hanukkah in the future. <laughs> I don't know if I want that. I don't. I, I like. Do I want tomato smell? I think Eric does want tomato smell. I think as well, you do, probably. I think it's a good novelty gift, even if you don't like the tomato smell. He'd be yeah. like, look at this candle I have. It smells like tomatoes. No, you're right. Yeah, I think that's cool. true. I think I really threw myself into tomatoes too hard in August. <laughs> was like, I spent 
six weeks, probably the six weeks from the middle of July to like last week looking for tomatoes. And I feel like I really burned myself out that like it's the only good thing that ever existed in August. And then I made tomato water and it was just like the tomato. There was too much tomato taste in my mouth, even <laughs> though it was like pretty. It was pretty good. It was pretty good. Mark. It's just like I think I blew out my umami factor in my in my tongue. <laughs> We're also allowed to say umami now because it's been like a year since we said it and had our cut. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think by the time December rolls around, you'll yeah. be like, man, I wish I had a fresh tomato. And then you'll sniff oh, that little yeah, candle yeah. and be like, mm, tomatoes. <laughs> All right, Julia, get me a tomato candle for Hanukkah, please. I'm writing it down thank so that you. I remember to do that. Okay, thank you. I have like a list. Like I always go an ongoing list for holiday gifts because mm-hmm. like I'm like, well, in the future, I'm not going to remember this. But if I write it down, when I do my holiday shopping, I'll yeah. remember it. I don't know why it took me till I was like 22 or something to start doing that, uh, but it, it saved my life. Hell and yeah. I have the same note of, it's the same note for all the years, then I just start a new thing. So I can check if I bought my dad this like dad leather man, because there are five gifts for dads and a leather man is one of them. <laughs> yeah, yes. that's true. Correct. What, what size leather man are we getting yeah. your dad this year? How many inches is that knife? It's about yeah. the size of a roasted chicken. Every time we, uh, every time we borrow his car, if he's like on vacation or hanging out, you know, like at the beach, we'll borrow his car sometimes. And I'm just like, what's that rattling sound? I look down, three leathermen in the door, two in the cup <laughs> naturally, holder, naturally. one in the glove box, one in the back seat, one in the trunk, one attached to the cooler to open stuff. It, it, you wonder why I am like I am. That's the answer. It makes sense. If you didn't know what a leather man was, when you heard the phrase leather man, it would sound super gay. <laughs> I I was all morning researching like radical sex shops for ads for You Are Good. So my my screen was covered in men in leather. It was really hard to Yeah. Is that like um, it's fresh on Rotten Tomatoes? Like it's radical. So it's like four out of five stars. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. All right, folks, it is time to talk about our newest mystery, The Stakeout. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I loved this title. Thank you. I also want to clarify, it was not a mystery because I didn't have anything planned. Right, you're right. This this mini arc. And Eric, we do have a couple of, of items here just to kind of address right off the bat. So sure. you have the opportunity to like address the people you harmed. Um, and... <laughs> Uh, That's so, true. I when I did reveal my secret at the end, all three of you looked at me like I had told you told you smell this old milk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yep. This is from Paul. Eric said none of the stakeout was planned, but I have to know if the hill thing was something he already had in his back pocket, or if it was completely spur of the moment, because it really feels like, and then in all caps, a big thing with ramifications. I agree, Paul. Well, Paul, here's the bad news. Eric made it up. that's true i did make it up i don't know like what do you want i again this is another thing where i'm not sure how much i can say i wanted there to be whatever is in the cliffside is something i was toying with and wanted to exist however i did not know where it would be or what it would be so i did yes brenda that's true i did make it up (laughs) What I kind of got from that was like, you have things that are happening in the background and it's up to us to explore those things in order for them to be revealed. Am I right on that? Yeah, that's definitely true. And that's something that is true in all the campaigns. For Monster of the Week, though, I don't think it benefits me at all to have the details of everything written down Mm -hmm. because then it's like what am I supposed to do like either it's something I've written down and you need to figure it out like it's an escape room (laughs) or then I'm like ah fuck I gotta throw this out and figure out something else so it's like well I didn't want there to be a secret 
that the director had somewhere. But, like, let's say that that secret room could have been anywhere. Right. You know what I mean? Like, the door could have been anywhere. But the fact that Les was in the woods looking for this stuff, that the Stone Johnnies were involved, I think kind of led me to that area. And then I kind of had this Breath of the Wild image in my head. Or, like, in Elden Ring, how all of a sudden you, like, see a a cave that you can just walk into. Mm -hmm. It's something that I really wanted to incorporate. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. Like again, it's not that I don't think about this stuff and prep it all the time. And maybe that's make what uh, makes you all upset at my milk <laughs> at my milk molds that I'm showing all of you. Thank you. But it's like I, I I do want this stuff to happen. But for Monster of the Week, it just doesn't benefit me at all to write it down in any sort of concrete way. Sure. That makes sense. Yeah, your brain just works differently than than mine does, and that's uh uh. Aggressive towards me. It's a, it's a threat. <laughs> it's a threat. It's, it's a beautiful offense. thing. Uh, and I'm. It's me telling Brandon, "You're fucking stupid. Everything you do and think is bad. I hate you." Well, speaking of our brains working differently, Brandon, I do have a question. Sort of. Uh, oh yeah, this is what Brandon spends his brain power doing yeah. instead. Uh, Eric, uh, who with our community manager Rue gathers the questions for these after parties, um, has subtitled this section. In the future, someone needs to tell me when I'm explicitly doing a supernatural. Uh, Brandon, would you care? <laughs> To comment to the people you've harmed because Sarah Barra had a screen cap of it, so it, it existed. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is a basic beginner one on one supernatural. Uh, if you were a, a uh, capital T, capital F true fan trademark, so no Laurens need apply. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> shit, damn. Okay, hunt guys, I'm gonna summon the coffee ghost. I literally have a marker in my Pro Tools right now where I need to cut the part where she where the coffee goes to the coffee. No, it's like I I I always forget what season it is, but it's in the like within the first four, probably two or three, or maybe the end of one even, where it's the it's the literal first episode where um Castiel Cass is introduced. Spoilers: Dean goes to hell, he dies, and. Uh, caskets into this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It, so it's the beginning of season four, Brandon. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I always get that wrong. Um, yeah. So Dean goes to hell, and then Cass pulls him, pulls him from perdition, and so he has a literal like hand mark on his shoulder where he was pulled from perdition. And uh, news to me. Yeah, and that's where Cass was like all cool and and like hardcore Misha Collins, and then he gets less so. He gets all. Soft and and queer and and kind later. Canonically queer, non canonically queer, unclear. I think I think <laughs> canonically or un, or unqueer. Woo! Woo! Happy Pride. Every month is Pride. My interpretation and from what Misha has said, I think Cass is canonically queer of some kind. He's an angel, so it's hard to say like what mm. it is. Not restricted to our earthly binary. Yeah, either. I don't. I I didn't know that. So, but <laughs> so definitely not textually. They are. Is the is the casting thing real? But Got you it. know, you could read into it if you want to. Yeah. Got it. Okay, so now here's my question, Julia. In the writing of that move you got, is there stuff about that? Like, why did I think tattoo? Well, it says that if I roll middling, I do the healing, but it leaves a nasty scar. Okay, so now here's the thing. This is what I wanted to put together. They fucking knew that and read Evil Hat. <laughs> like they did that oh, to me. Yeah. Did you not think that was a direct reference? <laughs> well, I didn't put. I didn't know enough information 
to know that the move was a direct reference. I don't know if it's a direct reference, but it's definitely No, I'm sure. Like, no, I think it is. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. So that one comes from the Hex playbook, and I don't think the Hex is pulling from Supernatural in that way. I think it's just legit, like, oh, you can do some, like, incredibly painful healing, and it's going to leave, like, a gnarly-ass scar on you, but at least you're not dead. Yeah. yeah, it's certainly a trope in lots and lots of fantasy, sci-fi, you know, all kinds of genre fiction that, you know, you can come back, but you're not exactly as you were before. Right. Sure. sure. I'm just saying that, like, anything that's a reference is probably a reference. <laughs> sure. Yeah, we're all big nerds here in Monster of the Week. Oh, yeah. I, I've, I've seen a lot of references already, like, reading the playbooks. There's definitely are some. Brandon, you have to tell me if it's a supernatural. Well, that's the only supernatural we've done so far. Okay. okay. Got to keep an eye out, bud. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't mention it in the episode because none of you would, know, except for Julia, would know what the fuck I was talking about. <laughs> well, we have to at least do a knowing wink. We can leave it in, but we have to do a little. I wink. mean, there's probably a move called "Carry on my wayward son" or some I know. shit. Like, <laughs> it's probably in the there. Impala. Am I right? I that's. I used my one reference. That was my one token. <laughs> the Impala is the other one. Oh, okay. Yep. The Impala has a fucking name, Amanda. Get out of here. Does uh, it? Sorry, is I'm it, not a true is fan. Is it Beverly? <laughs> is it Gertrude? Is it Carrie? It's baby. It's baby. It's called it's, it's called baby. baby. The name the oh. name of the car is baby. The name of the car Ugh. is baby. Do better, supernatural. Do better. <laughs> I don't like that. All right, uh, our other excellently titled subheader here is the episodes were all about the campers having a purpose. Uh, Eric, do you want to tell us a little bit about what that means? Yeah, that's just something that I noticed about you all putting this together and the things that you all wanted. Someone telling Phoebe that she was a chosen one, I think, and that guy being a fucking dick and then saying, no, you're not at the end is probably shaking Phoebe's confidence. Mm -hmm. Everything dealing with Carrie Ann, whatever Carrie Ann needs to actually do to become a or adhere to like the goal of being the best staff member ever, I think is being shaken. And then less figuring out like, what are monsters? Are all monsters bad? Are all people who have magic bad? Are monsters good or bad? The thing that they've been following the entire time, I think, is is starting to be up for debate here. And I think all of you have been trying to figure that out during these two episodes, and that was fun to fun to push on and 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 see. Mm-hmm. Totally, I didn't put that theme together, but you know, having you explain it to us now, I think makes total sense. And let's get into the Les and Phoebe of it all. We have a lot of really thoughtful questions here, starting with the question surgeon, Michelle Spurgeon. Did Les only believe in cryptids and not magic, she wants to know. Does that explain his reaction to Phoebe? So Brandon, can you take us a little bit through kind of Les's reaction to Phoebe's magic and why for him it is so different to the, you know, kind of joyful possibility of cryptids existing? Yeah, Brandon, tell us why Les is making Phoebe feel bad. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, that's definitely the case. Yeah, like I, when I was building the character, I purposely looked for, uh, I have a list, um, you know, a note stock of like, I, I say this with giant air quotes, but like possible cryptid things or possible mysterious things, like things that are more like nature based, like odd nature things. Um, Cryptozoology as opposed to like supernatural. Exactly. Like a Bigfoot could exist. There's no reason why it couldn't, except for like, you know, biological reproductive factors. But like it doesn't like it just, you know, we've never seen one versus like ghosts, you know, like we don't have any evidence and there's no like even way that they could exist, you know. Sure, Brandon. Um, just as an example, I'm not picking those two out specifically. But this is um, what Le- Les says. That this is what Les is saying. Brandon's not saying. Yeah, that. Exactly, Brandon exactly. super loves ghosts, and there's a ghost that lives in his house. Yeah, yeah that's true. And he makes coffee all the time. Mm-hmm. 
So Les, does Les just kind of want like one scratch off level of like supernatural? Like he wants, he wants things to be like plausible, but not proven like a species we haven't discovered, but makes sense how it could exist. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yes. Plausible is the word I was looking for. Thank you. So yeah, in his head, it is definitely like a conflict, a contradiction where in his like brain brain, like his logical brain, he wants to find these things because it's fun. And like when you're a kid, you want to find aliens. But like when you're confronted with the actual alien in your yard that landed in front of you, like you're scared shitless, right? So that's kind of what's happening. So yeah, I would say like definitely he didn't think magic as like a, you know, Disney magic kind of vibe existed. But even like the plausible stuff when confronted with it, it's still scary. And Paul wanted to know, uh, Brandon, did you always plan on less having this negative response to finding genuine supernatural stuff? Or is that how it kind of ended up playing out in session? No, I think it just ended up playing out. I, I tried to, you know, I'm trying to inhabit a teenager's viewpoint. And I think they would be terrified <laughs> no matter how big they try to appear to be. Teenagers and kids are scared of things. <laughs> I think we had talked about a while ago when we were trying to figure out Les's stuff, like we were kicking around ancient aliens a bunch. And it's like, Les liked the idea that aliens existed because aliens live on other planets and we live on a planet. But it's like, well, I don't like examining any of the other things about ancient aliens because that's all wrong and stupid. And that's that's and racist. Incorrect. Yes, <laughs> and it's incorrect. So I think that's kind of like the divide. There's like a real dividing line there. Yeah. Totally. That's also my personal belief. Aliens exist out there in the universe and also have not visited us. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Yeah, but Brandon, what about Leonardo da Vinci? <laughs> How have you considered the fucking Egyptians, my man? I know, Eric, that we saw Nope this summer. I don't know if anybody else on the call oh, has. Not yet, I want to, mm-hmm. though. But I, a, I, oh, I recommend seeing it at like a drive-in movie theater. It was sick to see it. Like, oh, that's a great outdoors. idea. It was awesome. Mm. Um, and less scary that way. Uh, but B, I, I think being as vague as possible, because I, I do think it's really worth seeing without knowing a lot of context about it. I like that it kind of got at the question of how biologically would extraterrestrials be like what what form of an alien would be most freaky to us <laughs> like how how actually would we interact that isn't like a total humanoid just you know in neon green like in a ship that resembles planes like what what are other forms of aliens that aren't kind of all drawing on this collective image that you know we learned as a north american society in you know the mid sort of 19 yeah like we would we would lose our shit if we saw an alien that wasn't the little green man or the, little, or the little gray man. Yeah. Asem would like to know, what would it take for Les to trust Phoebe again? Does he not trust all monsters for a specific reason? And Cat Owl Dolls said, when will Les stop breaking my heart with his distrust of Phoebe? The answer to the latter question is never. Um, that's what we call emotional wow. resonance and storytelling, baby. Wow. Oh, yeah. Woo! Um, and then the answer to the first question is, who can say? We'll find out. I am also interested about Assistant Director Z as well, because in the the new cabin, Assistant Director Z gave Les a bunch of like adult to teenage advice and a cool new weapon. Mm -hmm. And then the the first thing that Les does was like, this guy's a fucking werewolf. I'm tracking him. Brandon, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Why is Les so convinced that ADZ is a werewolf specifically? Well, one, because Les is an idiot. (laughs) <laughs> okay. <laughs> but two, in the, like the first or second episode, we Eric described ADZ as like a big guy with t- sharp teeth. So either vampire or werewolf, you know? Right. Those are the only two options. What other things have sharp teeth, Julia? Shark? Is he a shark? 
I'm just saying, I think if we've learned anything from the way that Eric is presenting these mysteries, it's that whatever the obvious clue is, it's like a uh, mislead. Oh, yeah, no, sorry. Brandon knows he's not a werewolf (laughs) because I've also asked multiple times in the book, like, what are some things that are in the books that werewolf says? And Eric says, probably not werewolf. (laughs) I have a theory as to what ADZ is, but I'm not going to say it. And I'm Ooh, just going to keep it sure. close to my heart and see if it happens. My, I'm putting this out there in the universe right now. $2 on he's just a guy with sharp teeth. <laughs> with sharp canines. <laughs> he, okay. <laughs> I also want to say you have not rolled well enough whenever you check the book on ADZ to give you for, I think you kept getting middling rolls. Yeah. So it's, I don't think that you found anything that, or ADZ didn't do anything that would, trigger those ideas there's also a thing that we're figuring out i think this is really the conflict between monster of the week the game and it's very funny your book of monster shit or less's book of monster shit is like the things that we all think we know about monsters may or may not be true as soon as we apply them practically mm-hmm. and i think that's kind of very interesting in terms of what less knows And as that revealed itself with roles, like a bunch of your moves and a bunch of the moves that you also can get are like about your experience and whether or not you think that thing is true or not. Right. Or I've seen this or I've heard this. Is that true? Is that not true? And I find that very interesting in terms of like our larger conversation of monsters, this game itself that we're playing Monster of the Week that we're playing like a like a monster hunting game. I I all find that very interesting and Les's character is quite metatextual. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I, audience listeners, don't forget that the book is just a collection of other people's experiences with these things. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't necessarily mean it's correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Charles Fort's just a, uh, is also just a fucking dude. Just a guy. <laughs> Charles Fort was a werewolf, though. Definitely. 100%. That's wow. true. He just mm-hmm. lived 100 years ago. So everyone just thought he was like a, an angel or some shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was just Catholic. Pretty <laughs> good. <laughs> Truly adulthood has been me figuring out that everybody's just a dude. (laughs) Casey, three kobolds in a trench coat, wants to know, will Les investigate his own supernaturality instead of everyone else? (laughs) That he could sprint unholily fast? Yes. I mean, I don't think unless confronted with it. You know, I don't think so. Because, yeah, he just thinks he's like, oh, fuck, sick. I'm the best athlete in all of town. <laughs> so many years of rock climbing and now I can move at supernatural speed. Seems yeah. normal. Hey, man, wasn't that that was like being a teenager that all of a sudden you could run 15 miles per hour and jump over a fence easy. I was going to say so far, is it puberty? Is it supernatural mm-hmm. occurrences? We're really not sure <laughs> much of the time. So that is the big vibe. Yeah. I think it is also important to note that the No Limits move specifically says it's like to the limit of your physical ability, not supernatural ability. So Mm. it's like if you were trying to free someone from under a car and you suddenly got, you know, jolts of adrenaline and were able to lift the car just enough to get them out. That's the kind of thing versus, you know, flying or whatever. Less has mom adrenaline. Got Mm -hmm. it. Yep. Yep. Imagine you're all kids under the van that Les is trying to carry. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, Carrie Ann went through it a little bit as well in these episodes. Um, TJ said, regarding Carrie Ann and the director's relationship, does she put up with Carrie Ann because she sees a bit of herself in the young CIT? What do you think? I think the director, like most people looking at Carrie Ann, sees someone with undiluted 
essence of like their true self and impulses like it is uncut by anything baby and that is hard to look at like the sun because <laughs> so much of the world of of being raised you know however particularly you were socialized like comes out and you know tone it down fit in figure it out you know don't draw attention to yourself and carry Anne for whatever reason is like why why not why wouldn't I uh and I think that that sets off you know a self-protective urge in everyone around her I would also hope that you know adults like they're at least adults at camp are like their default instinct is like support this child you know well the director said explicitly like carry on you know you when you grow up whether or not you remember this conversation you know tbd but like you will probably have the experience of looking at someone like you and then sort of having to figure out what to do Mm -hmm. yeah i think the director is a really complicated figure someone who's just trying to run camp and is overwhelmed by everything and then there's this person standing in front of her who's just like I know I'm supposed to teach you and I know I'm supposed to nurture you and you're so you are the perfect candidate to be staff. But like, God, you're so fucking annoying sometimes (laughs) when I'm overwhelmed. Uh, Eric, did you happen to be a professional teacher for several years and have some some kind of resonance with this? Yeah, yeah, maybe. Maybe I did. Maybe I did. (laughs) Director Lowe is, is just really fun. And I, I like her and I, it was fun being able to like try to explain, you know, it's hard to try to explain society to children. Yeah, it is. You know? <laughs> and that was kind of that entire thing is like, this is where we are. This is what's happening. This place is weird and we can't really do anything about it other than continue to run camp because people keep showing up at camp. I think that means that society is, is wrong and bad if we can't explain it to a mm. child. So maybe we should fix uh. that. What do y'all think? Yeah, I'll make sure to have a heavy-handed metaphor later on. (laughs) A bold choice. All right, getting into some general game and character questions. A lot of really good ones. Guys, you've been really coming through with these questions. Thank you. This one comes from Paul. I noticed a bit of an upping of the stakes with this new cabin arc between the monster actually seeming to have kills before they got to it and the mortal danger really being felt for Phoebe and Carrie Ann. Is there any reason behind dialing things up a notch at this point? Correct me if I'm wrong, Eric, but didn't the, not CITs, but like the folks die because we like lollygagged? Which? The people in the gelatinous cube that we ran into? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, They put themselves into like some real horror movie danger. Okay. You know, like they, I kind of just needed to yeah. sacrifice them to demonstrate that this was some bad news. And also like the girl who lost a, a foot. That was kind of just for funsies. And it was cauterized. It was more like, you know, when you look at a, at a cartoon wound and it's just like meat and a bone in it. Like, mm-hmm. that's what I was thinking. Yeah, I, I really wanted to push the danger a little bit more. I mean, I feel like I had tried to allude to some of like the danger and violence in the earlier episodes. Maybe we forgot about it because Zev was such a sweet boy. No, um, yeah. But like, remember when Jane's leg was extremely broken mm-hmm. and only by the skin of everyone's teeth that you were able to get out of that fight without getting hurt Carrie Ann slashed herself with a with a knife multiple times which was <laughs> wild mm-hmm. which letter of the alphabet did uh, he resemble after that Eric was it? oh it's the letter K. K was the letter K, K. thank you never forget <laughs> it it's a K <laughs> it was a letter K so I had been trying to do that but I did I did think that this was particularly dangerous because you were you were on the monster's turf you were unprepared it had the upper hand on you and also, I got better at running Monster of the Week <laughs> yeah. games. Yeah, we got better at playing too. So, mm-hmm. Moss and Lena are both kind of like, has camp always been this unsafe? And Lena, a comic connector of dots, specifically said, "How is camp not getting shut down? <laughs> like, do they bribe the police? Is there still some anti-investigation magic? What is happening?" I think this is a who can say, right? Who can say, man? 
I, I mean, like, I don't want to. You want me to tell you the reason and ruin the genre? It's just <laughs> no, like no. It's, it's, it is what it is, you know. But thematic. So we're see we're peppering in the who can says like when you season each step of your recipe before finally seasoning mm. your product at the end. You know, we're sweating out our mm-hmm. our alliums right now. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Michelle Spurgeon asked if Carrie Ann uh, Camp is losing any of her fervor for future camp life, knowing how supernatural it really is. And I think Carrie Ann's journey uh, this summer has turned out to be like, I think I know better than the adults. Wait, maybe I don't know better than the adults. Wait, do I know better than the adults? Like that is kind of what I feel her struggling with as more secrets come out. I think ultimately, you know, this was a big summer for her. She got transitioned from being a camper to being a CIT. Like this is the liminal transitory year where you are, you know, not quite counselor, but certainly not a camper anymore. And so it makes sense that she learns new stuff, right? That like there are revelations and she's like seeing behind the scenes, got to go to camp early, sleeping in a new place, all of that is exciting and i don't think anything could kind of dissuade her from thinking that camp is a worthy project and goal of learning but she is certainly like fairly freaked out by the sort of laissez-faire nature with which the director is approaching these dangers to camp and the campers that's my favorite britney spears song is uh not a camper not yet a cit it's true it's true Uh, here's a question i want to kick around how weird do you think it always was at camp do you think that this summer is any weirder than any other summer? Maybe you're just looking at it a little harder because it's your job to clean this stuff up. I imagine that we, because we are in charge of everything, we're seeing all of the dots together. Whereas before yeah. we might have just like had one weird experience in a cabin or something, you know? Yeah, like I imagine kids like happily making macaroni necklaces as like, you know, the Alicanto is like tearing up a cabin next door. Like there, you know, no one else kind of sees the the overview, I think the way that we are now. But my headcanon at least is that, yeah, it's always been this much disaster is always kind of almost averted or happens in small ways. And we're like, oh yeah, that cabin's out of bounds. Or like, oh yeah, stargazing is canceled this, this you know, evening. And as campers were like, okay, like, can I have marshmallows and run off to the next thing? <laughs> yeah, I think there's a certain like level of childhood unawareness of bad things happening around you. And I think that now that we are metaphorically and literally shifting into adulthood by becoming CITs, the characters are now seeing not through the rose tinted glasses of, you know, being a carefree child. Yeah, I agree. I That's what I think. I also think about sometimes like, when did Phoebe meet Charles? <laughs> I think about that shit a lot. Mm-hmm. I wonder about like the the other weird stuff that like maybe only less noticed and then wrote down in a journal. And then some counselor was like, "You're such a fucking weirdo." <laughs> <laughs> and then like, and, uh, I don't know. I agree. There's a lot of stuff that's that I feel like you just don't see. Much like becoming a staff member or working with something, you see behind the scenes and you see all the seams, which is in this case is weird shit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Totally. I have a request here from Christian the Just Okay. Can we get a present mic impression from John Bones Bones? What does this mean? <laughs> this No, this is a My Hero Academia thing. <laughs> okay. Um, and basically, yeah, there's just like, there's one character who just like does all the announcements and that's his superpower. <laughs> that's his quirk. <laughs> So I saw I found this one quote from like his Wikipedia thing, and I wanted to do this as John Bones Bones. 
The great hero Napoleon Bonaparte once said, True heroism consists in being superior to the ills of life. Plus ultra. Blake, break a leg, everyone. What the fuck? Incredible. <laughs> Thank you. Jesus Thank Christ. you. There's no reason why Bones Bones just isn't a fan of My Hero Academia. So He yeah. also might be. I'm just yeah. going to give you that little treat. We don't, we don't know if we exist in an age that My Hero Academia exists, though, exactly. Brandon. Is television even invented? Kids just say plus ultra to each other. It's very funny. Yeah. J Factorial wants to know, did anyone consider other playbooks for their characters before the summer season began? Personally, I think Carrie-Anne could take some moves from the meddling kid playbook, not the narrative-breaking ones, of course, and it wouldn't be too out of place. Yes. Tell us. Well, kind of. So my original plan, and I remember messaging Eric about that. I'm like, what if I lied to Amanda and Brandon and said that I had the chosen playbook, but it was really the spooky the whole time? And he's you like, son of a that bitch. would be complicated. I was like, fair enough. It's just it's just not, it doesn't work as well in right. a PBTA thing where it's like, I'm saying I'm a wizard, but really I'm a warlock. Right. Like that, it just doesn't, it would be too confusing. And also it would be like, ah, you fuckers, you don't know how playbooks work in a new game game we just started yes i decided yeah i agree it was too mean <laughs> but i was like hmm but what to eat? i think being more familiar with the system like you know, if you did that in sort of our second campaign i'd be like ah tight but yeah i would have been like oh i didn't what i didn't know <laughs> i started looking at some of the things j factorial pointed the meddling kid playbook to me which is the person michael sands who made monster of the week then on his personal website came up with a bunch of new playbooks in 2020 that i that oh. were not published yet. There is another book coming out soonish from uh, that's another Monster of the Week supplement. So I don't know if that's going to be in there. So that includes the meddling kids. There's some other ones in there, like someone who's out of time, which is actually pretty Ooh. funny. Like someone from like ancient Greece is just there. Cool. That's a playbook. Is very cool. And it's like again, these playbooks are character archetypes. So it's like you'd have to change pretty much everything about them. I don't love the meddling kid playbook because. It's it's all Scooby-Doo. And then it's like that really changes the composition of your monster hunting team. And then it's like you're trying to smash up different archetypes. And this is a Monster of the Week problem. This is not a J Factorial problem. <laughs> this is like you're smashing up different shows together and trying to run a game about it. Like imagine you had like Buffy Summers, Velma, and like a hardcore monster hunter. Eric, you're in just there describing AO3. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It just it doesn't it doesn't necessarily fit because all the themes aren't together, right. and like the meddling. Uh, and there's also like a sidekick, which is always weird for me. Po Powered by the Apocalypse games always has like a sidekick or like a oh usually has like a sidekick or like a secondary character being attached to another character, and like I never know why anyone would want to play that. So it it made you feel really infantile and like you were a younger brother or younger sister attached to somebody else. I can think of some players that would get a kick out of that to yeah be honest, or maybe you but... are literally playing with a sibling and you want to like swap roles or something yeah oh like the older sibling is the younger one yeah sounds that sounds fun but definitely for our you know our purposes of this narrative sure. i think we ended up all and like there's a reason why we talked about our playbooks and like chose them with eric and like ran through it before we started the campaign because yeah. it's it's you know definitely important to do that on your own but specifically for like making a narrative podcast we also want to make sure that it's you know balanced and interesting and no one's you know move can like break the game mm-hmm I agree with you, Amanda, but we've never been balanced before in any of our no, no, party Brandon, compositions. No, no, no one's a healer. I've never heard of that before. <laughs> yeah. 
And I no don't one know. Had... I think season two was pretty balanced. <laughs> yeah, notoriously balanced. have a healer on the team that didn't heal. I guess that well, was just my fault. I think that was a choice. <laughs> I, I, yeah, okay. than... Why would Eric do this and not balance our party? What a fucking dick. Why would he allow a healer on the team and then that healer just never heals? <laughs> yeah. Why would fair, Eric do that? I could heal and then I touched the seas of time. <laughs> That's so, true. You that, know. That's your fault for touching the seas of yeah. time. No, I just like, I okay, I don't know why I would intentionally play a game where I'm an inferior character to another one. That's me, maybe my yeah, totally. my thoughts of wanting to play that thing. But like there's always a there's a lot of playbooks that are like that that like intentionally make you like to another player character. I don't know. That's just yeah. that's I don't know if I would ever want to do that like in narratively put my intentionally put myself in lower status like that. It's totally valid. Anyway, the point is is that I don't think that the archi- some of these archetypes don't fit together and um especially those ones that Michael Sands made. So like I-, I like that you can take moves from other places and it feels really resonant and then it's like, oh, I'm just gonna like throw another color into my archetype instead sure. of like fully pivoting to the left or right. It's a mm-hmm. mechanic I really love and have made use of in this campaign. Moving into a few questions about podcasting and IRL, us as people, uh, Vidalia Rose wanted to know how much of your younger selves did you put into your characters? I feel like all of the best friends are perfect archetypes of me and my two most constant friends growing up. 80%. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I said last uh, after party, I think like Carrie Ann is really what I would have been unchecked and I or maybe my my fears or hopes for my younger self. But it's it's been fun. I didn't quite re- as with as always, I kind of follow my instincts with character creation. Then by the end of the campaign, I look back and I'm like, oh, how revealing. Uh, and that <laughs> sure enough has happened again. <laughs> I think for me, it's like the opposite. It's like the the kids I admired in high school or uh, middle school. Um, just like really just charismatic, super easygoing, really skilled kids, you know? Yeah. And Eric, who are you drawing from as you approach the fellow CIT, NPCs, counselors, campers, kind of archetypes that you can identify? Who's your self-insert, Eric? I, I don't have a self-insert Eric in this is one. tater tot. Yeah, I'm tater tot. That's true. <laughs> um, yeah, I actually don't have a self-insert in this campaign. I think I would have been closer to Carrie Ann. I mean, like I went to summer camp for like... 13 summers in a row and then I was a staff member for five of those summers and I was the head staff of the of the oldest age group so it's like I was really into it for a while and then I just stopped doing it so I definitely feel like I was bought in for a very long time and then I kind of just got disillusioned with the whole thing as I kind of like just kind of happened to me and when I was like 23 I looked around and I'm like oh fuck <laughs> shit goddamn so I don't I don't know if I have anyone I, I feel like I'm pulling a lot from uh, the archetypes that you would find in a in a show like this is like, I I really do imagine this like it's a cartoon that exists in like the golden age of uh, a cartoon network in like the mid two thousands, you know? Yeah. So that's that's kind of what I'm I'm pulling from. So you're saying you're not Frederick the Frog? That's not your self insert. No, Frederick sucks. Brandon, one of these days, you're going to realize that my NPCs are not me. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to show you all of them and be like, that's not me. I think he sucks. That's not me. I think he sucks. That's not me. I think he sucks. There's not a like, big whiteboard behind you. Yeah, but all of my NPCs from all of the campaigns are going to be like, none of these are me. It's not me. Okay. There's two circles on the board. One is Eric's NPCs and the other one is Eric. <laughs> they so don't overlap at all. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, speaking of which, Laura would like to know, what is your fan cast for the best friends and other major characters in this campaign? I'm curious to see if they match mine. Oh, when I was thinking about this, I don't think you necessarily have to do actors who are 
contemporary because like who the fuck knows actors on Euphoria you know, or other yeah. teens. But if there's someone who is a young person from older movies, I think we can do them in that time because I'm like, man, I really want Anthony Michael Hall from The Breakfast Club to like be one of these fucking NPCs as that I was thinking about. Well, great news, Eric. When you Google kid actors, which I just did and then immediately regret, um, the first three are Macaulay Culkin, who is a grown man, Lindsay Lohan, a grown woman, <laughs> and Jacob Tremblay, who played the kid in Room, who must now be a teenager. So not, <laughs> not great. So I have been thinking about this since I saw this question. And I think that Phoebe is a mashup of me as a 13-year-old and also like very early Maisie Williams in Game of Thrones. Oh, oh that's cute. a good one. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, Maisie Williams would crush that from like the, from the first season when she didn't know how to do anything. Yeah, bless her. Hell yeah. And now I'm imagining Phoebe with fucking Maisie Williams's accent. <laughs> just, just not British. Anything but British. I think for Carrie Ann, uh, someone in the Discord said that all my characters have red hair. It's true. I just, I want to, I want to have red hair as a kid. And, you know, here we are. But I'm imagining kind of like a Miranda Cosgrove, like Rebecca Black direction for okay. Carrie Ann. But got it. Oh, you could have done Miranda Cosgrove from, from School of Rock. Yeah. When yeah. she was like super yeah. uptight. Yeah. yeah. I, the same I energy. I think that's what I'm picturing. That's good. Uh, I think if anyone has a better one, let me know because I'm I'm always notoriously bad at these. But I think like a, as far as actual kids, like Caleb McLaughlin, is that how you say his last name? Is it McLaughlin from Stranger yes. Things? Yeah, would be good. So also like Joe Carey from Stranger Things as like not a douche. I was really picturing like very like Gilmore Girls era um, Jensen. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Or like that would have been great. Taron Edgerton, like a mm-hmm. kind of big guy, but not. Not like a Wolverine big like he is recently. There are a bunch of, like, you know how all of those actors who and then got really famous were, like, all on The Outsiders? Like, I'm sure, like, one of those guys could be in there or, like, super young Emilio Estevez mm-hmm. when he was in that, mm-hmm. when he was in that. That could a be A lot good. of uh, British Skins cast are also, like, Oh, the guys from Skins. Famous. Yeah, those yeah. would be sick. Oh, you know who would be super great? Uh, fucking the guy who's now super hot and was the Green Knight who was in Skins. Yeah. Oh, Dev Patel. He's, Dev Patel's always been super hot, excuse you. Yes. Well, but in Skins, he was just like big and gangly. Yeah. Good. Martin Starr was also super big and gangly, but I think he's a little yeah. too nerdy for, for less there. I think you guys are thinking of uh, less as too gangly, as too skinny. I, but he's he, so tall. That's why I'm saying he's I think, think uh, what's-his-face in Gilmore Girls you know, was a little bit broad, was a little tall, and like has the look of a teen who's going to be like a pretty built man, but he's not quite there yet. That's yes, true. I I agree with you on that one, but I think Dev Patel is a little bit too skinny. He's pretty he's pretty jack now. Like going back to older actors who then played teens, I'm thinking like a, a young Matthew Lillard. Oh would be yeah, a really yeah. good less. Also pretty skinny, but maybe slightly wider. Yeah. Wow, what a pull. <laughs> <laughs> right? But yeah, not a bad not a bad one. I like it. Matthew Lillard in Hackers too. Like imagine mm. Les got super into super into Night in the Matrix at some point and then became him <laughs> in Hackers. And we got our Scooby Doo connection, so that's really good, Julia. That's good. Uh, I also have a question here from L Silvero on Twitter. Is that right? <laughs> um saying Oh, that sounds we... like someone's name as if they're a Lucha Libre wrestler. That's yeah, a cool it name. does. It sounds like when I brought my fiance Eric to meet my aunt Patsy, she said, "Oh, El Silvero," because she knew his Instagram handle. Um, <laughs> who says, "Can we chart Amanda's character's increasing unhingedness from Inara Preserver, the agent from the comic book one shots, who, as you recall, is Agent Agent Smith, <laughs> forgot about multi-tool that. of Doctor Bertha Bones and Carrie Ann." 
here's my thought. <laughs> there is a there... oh, Eric. You want to comment on? Yeah, Elsa I don't want to comment on this. Okay, yeah. comment. There's a there's a graph, right? <laughs> the, the, and the x-axis is going from chaotic to lawful, while the y-axis is unhingedness. And Anara was rather tame, but quote unquote chaotic. But you've become more lawful over time, <laughs> and absolutely more more wild and unhinged. Yeah, over Carrie time Ann as well. is lawful unhinged. She's lawful yeah. unhinged. Yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. pretty I, naturally. Yeah, that's pretty good. So I just wanted to I just wanted to point that out. I felt that, that makes fun. sense. Statisticians in the audience, feel free to graph that. <laughs> And finally, guys, we're into spoily corner. Are we ready? Do we have our who can say um, like a, a, a vocoders ready? Yeah, we're ready to put on our final garnishes on our who mm-hmm. can say dish. Good, good, good. All right. From the question surgeon, Phoebe is a chosen one. For what? To take down Stephen? To close Camp Die? To save the camp? Who can say? Can say. With all the camp counselors getting killed, Michelle also asks, who's responsible for the children? Who <laughs> <laughs> can say? Uh, the other staff. <laughs> Just the, Naturally. The counselors being pulled in. I totally forgot that two counselors fucking died inside of each one. It's you did that. You did that. Technically, they're did. still missing. So, like, for we everyone else. We saw their bodies. No, so sorry. For us, we know. But everyone else, they're still missing, right? Yeah. I'm sure someone told ADZ, like, these children are dead now. You think one of us went to ADZ and said they died in a giant slime ball? Who can say? Who can say? I realized you. I realized the audience couldn't see my reaction to that. Like, <laughs> hey, they were also irresponsible and making out with their significant others. Yes. So, and that's what happened. So, did four people die or just two? Oh no, just them two. Okay, it's, it's that no one looked for them because they would disappear and go kiss in the parking lot right. for twenty four hours at a time, and that's why no one looked for them. Right. Yeah. It's important to remember to hydrate while you kiss for that long. Yeah. I also really <laughs> like that they. I really like that they had the name plate. Necklaces, <laughs> which was so camp for me. Yeah. Ugh. Moss, acid, comma, acid would like to know will we get an episode of the best friends murdering Frederick? Uh, I'll tell you, if Julia has something to say about it, we will. <laughs> yeah. Duran, what was the effect of the Alicanto eating the director's whistle? Who I would love to know, Duran. I would love to know. Who can say where the wind blows? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so here's what happened because the Alicanto died. <laughs> What if I just spoiled the rest of the, wow. the season on the after party just to I see if people it. listen to it? I would hate it. Maureen, out of work bookie, would like to know, how many thumbs does Chuck the forest spirit, maybe moose, but probably not really a moose, have? Zero, because he's a moose. Hey, mm. I or don't four. remember what this is referencing. Oh, <laughs> like, we made a reference to, like, you said, like, five hooved. I'm like, our fingers hooves? Oh, that's right. It, and then Amanda was like, we have ten hooves because we have the same carotene nails in our the nails. Same thing, yeah. Oh, that's right. That Amanda has ever said ever. I don't <laughs> know about that. Yeah, I also forgot about the dream I had where I was holding a cat during its own intellectual property trial, so the episode <laughs> reminded me of that. Can I really tell you, fun. Amanda, I cut that initially and then I was like, what the fuck am I doing? What put this back? Undo, undo, undo. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Uh, can I also say Amanda told me about a dream she had lately and I really need to share it because we I want really want to bookend this with dreams. Sure. Um Amanda told me the other day that she had a dream that she looked in our fridge and inside were a bunch of succulents. And she was really ups- she was like, Oh, I have to move these or Eric's gonna be so pissed. <laughs> <laughs> Well, no, 
Eric, my first worry was, how have they been growing in there? There's no light. And then secondly, like, Eric's going to be pretty pissed. There's more plants in the house. (laughs) And then you took the succulents out of the fridge and put them on the table. And then that was, and then that was the end of the dream. Yep. Incredible. (laughs) The idea that Eric gets like, like, like in the like stereotypical TV marriage thing where like the husband's like, oh, another, you know, the wife and her plants. But like, it's just like plants is so funny. Listen, we have open communication about it. I, I, there's a one in and one out plant policy, just like we have with books. I, <laughs> I, I would truly have my entire house would be like me picking a little maze through my, through my plants all over the place and being like, what? You don't like almost knocking over a plant every time you turn around in your own home? And yeah. I, I identify. <laughs> Listen, guys. Well, that's, I, that's I, I have to give content. Okay. Yeah. Amanda puts plants on every single surface in our house. And I have to tell her that she can't do that. Cause here's the thing about Amanda. Amanda, she's long. She has long arms and legs in which to walk around the piles of books and plants there are everywhere in the apartment. And I'm not long. So I <laughs> run into plants. So Amanda's like, oh, can you just turn on the light? And then the light switch is in the corner and I, you need to reach around a po- like four plants to get there and turn your arm backwards and maybe hit it with a fingy. And like, Amanda's like, oh, you know how to turn on a light? And I'm like, no, I'm going to break it everything and then you're gonna cry that your plant is dead that's easy fix you get a google home or like a clapper and then you're done voice control baby no i'm not bringing alexa in here just so that a bandit can have piles of plants I do I also like the idea of like a horror movie uh, short where Eric like closes, like, opens the fridge and then closes the fridge door and there's a plant right there and then he turns to the right, <laughs> yeah. right there. The, the only jump scare is with plants. Yeah. I think it's because it was immediately after Bray posted a photo of uh, some like succulents he found in a box that were still doing great. And so really it's Bray's fault. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, Amanda has now been giving me plants and saying they're mine so she could have ha, more plants. I see the workaround. <laughs> fucking move. Amanda hasn't Loop gotten hole. more plants you have eric yeah exactly amanda starts giving them to you as gifts in like on hanukkah mm. no eric's mom has started not. giving a us succulent for every unquote, day of hanukkah oh, that are plants. oh and i oh this is an advent calendar one succulent thing and now i have a succulent there named jeremy so there we go <laughs> all right guys to finish out from kz three kobolds wait a do i have coat. two plants now who's the second plant that's your only plant I thought I had two plants. Never mind. No, we looked at those ornamental peppers and you were pretty taken by them. Oh, okay. No space for peps. Casey, three kobolds in a trench coat, would like to know, hey, Eric, can we send in bones mail now? Uh, Yeah, please send in things so that John's bones bones can have some questions. I actually love that. Please do that, everyone. Yeah. In the next after party, I will remind people, send in questions, send in announcements that you need John's bones bones to say over the PA system and I will read them in the after party. I love that. A hundred percent. We'll say this in the we'll say this in the in the mid rolls of things coming up that everyone should send in in the after party in the various places you put after party stuff or tweet at us send in things that you want John's bones bones to say over the PA system. I mean, if they're good enough and funny enough, maybe maybe you do them in the episode. Who can say? Who can? That's fair. We're we're so many episodes ahead. I cannot remember what we've done so far. So I'm just like I don't I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Hopefully. All right, folks. That is all for this week's after party. As always, we'll see you next week with a brand new episode. Uh, thanks, everybody. 
Bye, guys. Later. I had a dream that we were doing the after party, but then everything I said, you all laughed and said you couldn't really hear me, and we're just <laughs> laughing to be nice. Wait, really? Uh, oh, so... no, really? No, I made it up because oh. I didn't write it down. I thought you were going to say you had a dream <laughs> that we were doing the after party, and every time you looked up, one of our faces turned into a plant. <laughs> No, that'd be pretty bad. Yeah, every time I look up, the, uh, there's a plant right in front of my face. <laughs> and Amanda, and it says, for you, from Amanda. Mayor rolls turn never upward. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>